there's great speculation as to what role we will fill in eternity. What will we do forever and ever and ever and ever? Well, at least one thing each of us will do is teach a class. Even more bizarre is the students that will attend that class. We continue our journey in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things, which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. As to this salvation refers to the previous verses. It is a salvation for centuries the Old Testament prophets sought to understand. The word used for prophets is the word prophetai. It, in contextually, it, it makes it clear that the prophets being referenced are the Old Testament prophets. These great men of faith made proclamation of the grace, God's riches at Christ's expense, that would be brought to us. And yet they were perplexed at the implications of their own proclamation. They spoke the truth of God without fully comprehending the truths they proclaimed. Lock in on the words, careful searches and inquiries. Both verbs appear in the aorist present participial forms. Probably does not mean much to any of you listening or watching this session. But what it indicates it is a, a continuous obsessive, incessant investigation. Not a casual interest, mind you, but an overwhelming obsession. Try to understand it this way. You have lost your one and only set of car keys, and yet you have to get to the hospital. Are you simply going to say, I have lost my keys, I'll find them later? No. You are going to look in the living room, the dining room, the kitchen, outside in the backyard. You are going to look wherever you might possibly have left those keys. You're obsessed with finding those keys. It is critical for you to find those keys. Well, that is the concept, the idea that Peter is conveying in regard to these prophets. They spoke the truth about this coming salvation. And yet they were obsessed with understanding the implications of the truth they themselves 
proclaimed. Well, what did the prophets want to know about this coming salvation? Well, Peter tells us in verse 11, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ was indicating within them as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. They wanted to know the who, and they wanted to know the when. The word that Peter uses for time is the word kairos. There are two Greek words used in the New Testament to convey the idea of time. Kairos and chronos. Kairos is the word used for season or occasion. Chronos or chronos is a specific period of time. Think about uh, our English equivalent chronology in the order in which things occur. But Peter uses the word chronos, that is the season or the occasion. These prophets were obsessed with understanding the season or the occasion in which this coming Messiah would usher in this new kingdom of salvation. So I want us to first discuss what the prophets did know about this coming salvation. Number one, the prophets knew this salvation would be coming through a sacrificial lamb. In Isaiah, the incredible Old Testament prophet Isaiah, Chapter 53, Isaiah tells us very explicitly about the suffering that will be heaped upon this coming king. Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He has no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hid their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. Think about his hands and his feet the sword into his side. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening of our, well, for our well-being fell upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned each one to his own way, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity upon us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is silent before its shearer, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for this generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living? For the transgressions of my people, to whom the stroke was due, his grave was assigned with wicked men, yet he was with a rich man in his death, because he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. 
but the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring, he will prolong his days, and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hands. Or Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning. In Psalm 22, the 22nd Psalm, The psalmist writes in Psalm 22, verse 14, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. Remember when they pierced Jesus' heart, blood and water flowed separately. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaves to my mouth, to my jaws. From the cross he uttered, I thirst. And you laid me in the dust of death. For dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil doers has encompassed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look, they stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. The prophets describe the suffering of this sacrificial lamb. Over and over and over again, throughout the New Testament, we find references to the suffering Messiah. In fact, there are 326 prophecies concerning the coming of the Messiah. So we know that the prophets understood this coming kingdom would be brought about by a sacrificial lamb, by a suffering servant. The prophets also knew a new kingdom would be ushered in by this sacrificial lamb. In fact, Isaiah chapter 53, the end of the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, verse 12, as a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many as he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great, and he will divide the booty with the strong, because, this is why he will receive that reward, because he poured out himself to death and was remembered with the transgressors. Yet he himself bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. The Old Testament prophet Zechariah wrote regarding this suffering servant. And one will say to him, who is him, the suffering servant, and one will say to him, what are these wounds between your arms? And then he will say, those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. 
Daniel chapter 7 verse 18 tells us that the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever for all the ages to come. Psalm 24 tells us the earth is the Lord's and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood and has not sworn deceitfully. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, even Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. So Peter tells us these prophets were obsessed with understanding who would come to usher in this new kingdom and what this new kingdom would actually look like. Well, what do you think the Spirit of God helped these prophets understand about Christ's suffering and about this coming glory? Well, we need not speculate. We can simply turn to the Word of God. First, the Spirit revealed to these prophets that their message did not refer to their time, but to a time that was coming. Romans chapter 15, verse 4 tells us, for whatever was written in earlier times, that is what the prophets wrote, whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and in and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope a word we see frequently in peter's epistle hope the bedrock guarantee of a future inheritance rooted in a past event first corinthians chapter 10 verse 11 now these things happen to them as an example and they were written for our instruction, listen to the next phrase, upon whom the end of the ages will come. So the Spirit of God revealed to the prophets of God that this proclamation they were writing was not for their time, but for a time to come. Second, the Spirit of God also revealed to these prophets how their message for us would ultimately impact them. And now I want to stop for just a moment as we are, are tracing this passage in 1 Peter and help you understand that when we refer to prophets, we are not simply referring to major and minor prophets as they are listed in the Old Testament. There were many who prophesied but who did not carry the mantle of a prophet. How do I know that? Because Jesus told us so. In Luke chapter 24, after the 
resurrection. Luke chapter 24. It's actually one of my favorite passages. Luke chapter 24. The road to Emmaus. These two men were traveling. Listen to what is said. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you were walking? And they stood still looking sad. One of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty indeed, and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the senses of death and crucified him. Sad, verse 21, that we were hoping. Notice the phrase, we were hoping. We once were, but we no longer are. We were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Well, he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. But not only Israel, all mankind. He would redeem every one of us who would put our faith, hope, and trust in what he accomplished on that cross. Their hope in their minds was dead, when in reality it was very much alive because the one who brought hope was standing right in front of them. Peter referred to our salvation as a living hope. Why? We do not serve a dead Savior. We serve a risen Savior. And they were astonished. But I want to get down to verse 27. This is the connection to our study in this session. Then beginning with Moses and with the prophets. Hear the connection? Started with Moses and continued through the prophets. So when we refer to the Old Testament and the prophets, we're not simply referring to Malachi, Ezra, uh, or uh, any of Zechariah or Nahum. We're referring to those who proclaimed of this coming Messiah, this one who would usher in a new kingdom. And so I want us to understand that as we look at what Peter is trying to convey. So when we're talking about these prophets, they understood that they were prophesying not about their time, but about a time to come. Second, the Spirit of God revealed how that message they proclaimed would actually impact them. But we see it in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, that great hall of faith. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the men of old, notice what he says, by it, the men of old, what men? The men in the Old Testament, the men who prophesied about this coming king and this coming kingdom. For by it, the men of old gained approval. We continue in Hebrews chapter 11, picking it up in verse 7. By faith, Noah, Old Testament or New Testament character? You know the answer to that question, Old Testament. By faith, forsaking all, I trust him. 
For by faith, Noah, being warned by God about things not yet seen, in reverence prepared an ark for the salvation of his household, the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien, a word that appears in First Peter, as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise, for he was, and here's the key, for he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose author and builder is God. We continue in Hebrews 11, verse 13. All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles in a foreign land. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. Verse 16. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Verse 17. By faith, Abraham when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, in Isaac, your descendants will be called. He considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. Verse 23, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months, by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Listen to verse 26, referring to Moses, considering the reproach of Christ. Do you hear it? Moses, the Old Testament considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. So these prophets were looking for a coming kingdom. They understand through the Spirit of God that they were looking toward a time, not their time, but a time to come. They also understood how this coming king would impact their eternity. But I want you to see the prophets were not the only beings perplexed by this salvation. This is really cool. This is good stuff. Verse 12 of 1 Peter chapter 1. Not only did the prophets desperately search and inquire, obsessively search for the truth of the prophecies that they proclaimed and, the con and what they uh, meant, the implications of them, but we get in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, things into which angels long to look. 
Isn't that cool? We look back at the Old Testament, the prophets in the Old Testament search an inquiry, obsessively wanting to know what this really meant. And now we look into the heavenlies regarding our salvation and the kingdom that salvation ushers in. We see that the angels desperately want to look into it. The word being used, look, is a word that means to peek or to peer from the perspective of an outsider. Think about a football game, and the offense is in a huddle, and somebody on the defense leaning forward, stretching, striving, seeking to hear what's being said in the huddle. Well, that is the angel are the angels in regard to our salvation. Peter said angels strongly desire, kneel close, bend low, stoop down, so that they might carefully examine our salvation. As much as they investigate, angels will never know what it is like to be saved by grace. They can never fully understand the mystery of salvation because they do not know what it is like to be separated from God by sin, bound for an eternal hell, but rescued through the shed blood of one who died in their place. The angels are not saved, but Peter tells us they study salvation through us. Some years ago, Dr. Jerry Vines, then pastor of the First Baptist Church of Jacksonville, Florida, introduced us to a, a little fellow named Billy Baptist. And, and the story went something like this. I really want to share it with you word for word because it conveys in an incredible way what we were discussing in this session. And, and Dr. Vine said, on a cold weeknight, two church visitors went down to the home of an alcoholic man. They witnessed and shared the gospel with the alcoholic man, but he was rather indifferent and unmoved by it all. His wife, who worked in a fast food restaurant, was a bit more interested but hesitant. And then there was Billy. And the Bible verses seemed to make no impact on him whatsoever. But he did get excited when they said if he'd come to Sunday school, there would be cookies and cola. <laughs> Maybe Billy could come to Sunday school sometime. And so those two visitors walked away that night feeling a sense of frustration and failure. They forgot in the face of their disappointment that God is faithful to those who are faithful to him. Billy did indeed go to Sunday school that Sunday, and he really did enjoy the cookies and the coal. It's the worship service now, and little Billy is there, and the folks are singing glory to his name, and, and the angels are flapping their wings to the rhythm. And all of a sudden, wide-eyed with wonder, the angels begin to witness it all. And they say, look at Billy. There are tears in his eyes. Oh, look at Billy. He's walking down the aisle. Look at Billy. He's giving his hand to the preacher and his heart 
to Jesus. And the choir bursts forth. There's a new name written down in glory. And Dr. Vines continued, but look over at the angels, and the angels' wings are folded. Holy, holy, holy is what the angels sing. And I expect to help them make the glad hosannas ring. But when we sing redemption's story, angels fold their wings. For angels never knew the joy that our salvation brings. You can explain salvation better than the angels in glory. Because the angels in glory will never know what it is like to be a sinner saved by grace. And that is why it is our responsibility of sharing the grace of God with a lost and dying world. Let us passionately share what we know with those who so desperately need to know. I'll see you next session. I want to thank you for joining us on this journey through 1 Peter. It is our desire to help you grow in your faith by going deeper in God's Word. I hope you found these sessions to be both inspiring and challenging. None of us want to stay where we are. As we said in one of our sessions, we want to get so close to him that it's no big change on that day when Jesus calls my name. You can follow us on YouTube, Word Power Media Ministry, Instagram, Word Power Media Ministry, or whatever podcast you happen to serve or you happen to use. Again, Word Power media ministry. And please, if you've been inspired by what you have seen, if we have helped you grow in your faith, please tell others about us. It is a word of mouth ministry and we need your help. If you'd like to reach out and encourage us, you can send us an email, wordpowermm at gmx.com. But we would love to know how we have encouraged you. So please reach out to us. Thank you for joining us. Have a blessed day.